The Only Warrior Cats podcast strives to be family-friendly, but we may cover themes not suitable for all audiences. Listener discretion is advised. We, I think the three of us, are literally at, like, the furthest points away from each other on the North American continent that we can get, but maybe at some point. Maybe, like, a a VidCon or something. That's what I was going to (laughs) suggest. Calculator, geographic midpoint calculator. It's going to put us in, like... Utah or something. I that's exactly what I want to see. We're going to Idaho, everyone. Idaho is like right next to where Lola lives. Oh, that is okay. that is not at no, all. It's not. Yes. Uh oh. I think I did this backwards. It's putting you guys in Kyrgyzstan. <laughs> what? <laughs> I think I did oh, it backwards. Because it it's going all the way around the globe instead of just so eyeballing it, I'm gonna say like Minneapolis is my guess. Uh it's putting us in Iowa. Hmm. That sucks. Hello and welcome to the Only Warrior Cats podcast. We are the only warrior cats podcast and this is the show where two warrior cats veterans read through each of the books with their new to the series friend and help initiate him into the world of the warrior cats i am zoe b and i am joined today by my two absolutely wonderful co-hosts jose and lola hello hey everyone so today we are going to be reading the fourth book in the series it is called rising storm and let's just jump right into it. Like and subscribe. Smash that <laughs> Smash subscribe button. that like button. <laughs> Jose, would you like to give us a rundown of what exactly happens in this absolutely thrilling fourth installment of the series? This one was just an absolute roller coaster. I, I, it's hard to know where to start because this is one of those like downbeat books. When it begins... Everything is in disarray. Blue Star is heartbroken over Tiger Claw's betrayal. Firestar is being pulled from all directions because he's not quite ready to be a deputy. And also in Shadow Clan, a disease seems to have broken out and is affecting a bunch of cats. Two of them actually show up at the doorstep of Thunder Clan and are looking for refuge when Blue Star turns them away. She's very suspicious now and she's feeling burnt by Tiger Claw, so she just isn't her generous self. Uh, they go off and uh, Cinderpelt uh, takes some pity on them, lets them hide out in ThunderClan territory and helps nurse them back to health, unbeknownst to the rest of ThunderClan, except for Fireheart, who found out, and gives her a bit of grace to do some good, even though he's a bit shaken up too. Meanwhile, Fireheart is training Cloudpaw, and Cloudpaw is getting a little plump and, and lazy, and we find out he's been sneaking food from, from the two legs and uh, hanging out, acting like a kitty pet. And Fireheart is confused. He's worried his nephew is going to run back to the life of being a kitty pet. And when he goes to check on him one day, he sees that Cloudpaw is taken away by some two legs to some place. We don't really know where. Uh, I'm assuming probably a vet because he's a feral cat that these humans just found. <laughs> Meanwhile, as sense of Shadow Can clats get everyone suspicious, Fireheart takes a small team out to investigate. Uh, no, wait, let me back that up. When Running Wind goes miss, Oh, no, wait. They got warned by a cat, didn't they? Okay. I don't remember. It all has run together for me, so <laughs> this is all you. Fireheart, while investigating the whereabouts of Running Wind, finds out he's been murdered. Initially, he thinks it's Whitethroat, one of the Shadow Clan cats that Cinderpelt helped. 
was responsible. And when Fireheart gives chase, uh, eventually Whitethroat gets heads to Thunderpath and is run over by a car. Uh, when he goes back to Running Wind, though, Fireheart realizes Tigerclaw is responsible. And even though Fireheart is just there with White Storm and Mousefur, Tigerclaw shows up with all his buddies and he's got this new crew that he's running with that. No, wait. Tigerclaw shows up with the, the same rogues who attacked Thunderclan in the last book. Seems are still out there causing trouble. Looks like Fireheart's gonna really lose this fight until thankfully a patrol from RiverClan led by Graystripe shows up. They save the day. All the cats scatter. And it seems like that would be enough for one book, except they go back to... No, wait. They go back to ThunderClan. They're all still shaken by the encounter, and suddenly a fire breaks out. ThunderClan's entire nest is just ravaged by this fire. Several cats die, including Yellowfang. It's very tragic that Yellowfang is lost in the fire. ThunderClan is driven out of their home. They're taken in by RiverClan for a little bit, but they can't stay there too long. Blueheart leads them back to... Blue... St Blue Star leads them back to hopefully rebuild their nest. And as they're all shaken, Blue Star believes Star Clan has turned their back on them, leaving Fireheart to hold the clan together at the next clan meeting because Blue Star is just not having any of it anymore. And when Fireheart goes there to the next big meeting at Four Trees, he finds out that Shadow Clan's got a new leader. And wouldn't you know it, it's Tiger Claw. <gasps> dun dun dun! Although I guess he's now Tiger Star. Presumably. That was an excellent summary of a mess of a book. It, yeah. Yes. It, it was a lot of stuff. As a kid, I felt like this was the weakest book in the first series. I remember that distinctly. And now as an adult, I'm like, I don't know if I even can disagree with that. Like, maybe I was right all along. I have literally no memory of this book. Like, I remember that Tiger Claw eventually became Tiger Star. That's why I kept wanting to refer to him as Tiger Star in our previous recordings. I have Ooh, yeah. no recollection of anything that happened in this book, like from my childhood. None of it. Well, it's not really a cohesive story. It's no. a lot like Fire and Ice, where it's just a bunch of things mm -hmm. that happened. It's like building up to the next book. And I'm a little worried we're going to reach the end of this and realize this series could have just been like three books instead of six. Yeah, I mean, I wouldn't say it's filler. And I also got to be that person who's like, but I like long pacing that leads up to big shocking twists. But like, I don't know, after reading Forest of Secrets, I was like, warrior cats, let's go. And this one, <laughs> I don't know if it did it for me. That's all. Well, yeah, I mean, where to even begin? Like discussing this book, there is, for, for feeling like there wasn't a ton that happened, there is a lot that happens. Well, Zoe, you're probably going to need to just like go down the outline and be like, okay, oh, so. Gosh. I know it felt like when I was reading the book, I was like, oh, this was kind of plot light. And when I was like summarizing it, I was thinking to myself, this is a long summary. A lot happened in this book. Yeah, there's just a thing after thing after thing after thing. Um... So at the end of every episode, we reflect on the initial prophecy that started this entire series, that is fire alone can save our clan. And folks, in this book, fire destroys the clan. So what is that about? Something similar was happening with Blue Star, where we see her losing her faith in Star Clan and its guidance for Thunder Clan, but she still trusts Fireheart. And that seems to be a reflection of her believing in the prophecy, at least. I'm sure that like Fireheart's good deeds have made him seem indispensable to Blue Star, but he, mm. he's clearly not the right person to be deputy just yet, or at least he hasn't grown into the role where I think White Storm would have been 
a more logical choice considering how much of the slack he picks up. So that seems like another bit of irony as well. White Storm is total MVP. I definitely agree that it is odd that she... Well, Blue Star is, as you mentioned in your summary, she's kind of a hot mess in this book. And I mean that with as much love and respect in my heart as I can muster. So Blue Star, what's up with her? I'm just, I think that I'm just Jerry Seinfeld this episode. <laughs> I think it'd be interesting to compare uh, Blue Star to Tiger Claw's other uh, associates. Like ah. Dark Stripe seems to, he's like a little shaken, but he seems to have a strength sense of self where he's like, I know who I am. And he settles back into that pretty quick. I would also put it on Blue Star being the leader, right? Like this went down under her watch and it was her deputy. Mm. And like, what does that say about her as a leader? Well, genuinely, if Tiger Claw wasn't her best friend, like who is? Fireheart? White Storm. White Storm? Um. So, uh, Jose, one of the things that you mentioned is that you thought that it was interesting that Blue Star both turns her back on Star Clan, but also still seems to accept this prophecy around Fireheart. I want to kind of get into that a little bit because I feel like we're seeing more of we're hearing the cats talk about Star Clan more, and so you know we as readers are getting more information about them. And there's an interesting thing that happens in this book. Blue Star and Fireheart are going to the Moonstone because she wants to converse with Star Clan. This is pretty early in the book, and on their way there, they have to go through Wind Clan territory. And usually, that's not a big deal because all of the clans know that when a leader is on their way to go talk to Star Clan, like you don't stop them. Like that's you know, you, you do not prevent other leaders from conversing with the gods. Or I guess ancestors, they're not gods. Anyway, doesn't matter. And so Wind Clan stops them and they say, you know, no, we're not going to let you go through our territory because you were harboring Broganstar, who like ruined our lives. I found this really interesting because Wind Clan cites Star Clan. They say that Star Clan would be upset that they harbored Broken Star, and so they're acting on behalf of Star Clan. But I thought that Star Clan were like the ones who made the Warrior Code, and like they're the ones who tell the clans that like the leaders should be allowed to go speak with them whenever they want. And also, like, is Wind Clan even allowed to speak for Star Clan? It just it felt very like. I don't know, convenient, I guess, from a like writing perspective. <laughs> I hated it. It felt like they were trying to avoid readers being like, um, how come she didn't just go to the Moonstone? So there was this whole like diversion that took up way too much time. Yeah, it felt very like pointless too, because they were just like, all right, let's go immediately. All right, we're in Wind Clan territory. Oh no, Wind Clan won't let us go. All right, let's immediately go back. And it was just like a waste of a few pages. I don't know. And I don't, I'm not that person who usually says like every scene must progress the plot forward, but this just felt like dodging criticism the chapter, which is never fun to read, especially as a kid. I like, I specifically remember reading this book and just kind of being like, oh, a couple times when I was little. Because it's like, yeah, let's go on a journey to the Moonstone. Never mind. Kind of feel the same way about the whole. Cloudpaw storyline, which oh, I personally gosh. find exhausting. And it's it's interesting because he was originally on the cover of the book. I think they intended him to be this like much bigger character. And he never really landed with audiences who I think just kind of see him as spoiled. He's really obnoxious in the, the beginning of this book. He's really obnoxious. <laughs> the end of the statement. <laughs> 
Well, he's obnoxious, especially in the beginning of this book where he's just so snotty and arrogant and the way he kind of talks back to Fireheart, like the one cat who brought him into the clan and is supposed to be a role model for him. And he's just like, I bet I could fight. And they like have one exchange and he's like, eh, maybe I should hunt instead. And Fireheart's like, I will let him find his own way. <laughs> Which seemed like a terrible idea, but like they just let him get away with everything. And I guess it's a reflection of how Cloudpaw needed some kind of authority in his life to tell him maybe take things more seriously. I get that the arc of the series is that he Fireheart goes from being a kitty pet to clan leader. That's not really a spoiler, is it, Jose? I have uh, some suspicions. Yeah, right. About that. Yeah. But like, I feel like he's way too young and inexperienced to be a deputy. So uh, he just kind of, I will find the quote. It's okay. We'll keep talking. And then I will find the quote and say it. I think we're just going to wait in suspense until you find the quote, to be honest. He's turning into like, today my father entered my chamber and tried to give me fatherly advice on what I should do with my life. The ironic thing is, as an agekin, I'm at least twice as old as he. It made me smile. Because never had I wanted to say, oh, my sweet summer child, more than in that moment. That's Fireheart <sighs> in this book. Yeah. He's like literally like 22. Fireheart taking Cloudpaw to see a marching band and telling him to be. <laughs> <laughs> he is going to be the savior of the people. Or he would if, if Fireheart himself were not. He has very like college sophomore energy it annoys me so badly <laughs> well i've been here a whole year yeah therefore oh like taking in the <laughs> freshmen and like telling them how it works Ugh. at college every single one of those people you meet in your freshman year also then turns out to be like just the worst there was a guy uh when i was in school who i was a junior not a sophomore for if that matters but he was I don't know, a good 10, 15 years older than me. And the only reason he was back in school is because he had been in the military during the age when he would be, you know, a traditional college student. He was also an English major. And so we had a lot of classes together, but he would often invite me back to his apartment off campus uh, so we could smoke, I guess, and like do... Because he, he kept talking about his, like, drug experiences. He had had the secrets of the universe revealed to him uh, while on drugs. I love when men... <laughs> Sorry, Jose. <laughs> I love when men take a psychedelic and then they're like, there's this thing where I can feel other people's emotions and I care about them. And it's like, yeah, dude. Like, they discover empathy for the first time. Yeah. And they're like, did you know that other people are alive and have feelings, women included. This guy told me that what he realized is he, so he spent like 12 hours in a bathtub. When he got out of the bathtub at the end of this experience, he realized that the meaning of life and, and the universe and everything is the letter E. He said he, said he was oh, still trying okay. to figure out what that meant. Good God. So, so that's in my head, the type of guy that Firestar is. <laughs> Fireheart. Oh, that feels a little mean. I'm kidding. I'm mostly kidding, but are you? Yeah. I think Fireheart's a bit, it's less arrogance to me and more that he's just a mess and is somehow unaware of that. He's like breaking down constantly. Like everyone's like, what are the patrols like? And he's like, uh, I, I don't know. I haven't thought about it. It's like, oh, who's hunting today? It's like, uh, I, I guess I should have put some thought into that. And then Whitestorm's like, don't worry. I'll do all your work To be for fair, you. it is a lot. It is. But like, what did he think the deputy did? You know, hung out with Blue Star all the time because they're 
besties. He definitely has youth pastor energy, <laughs> is what I'll say. And you know who That's else is a rad skateboarder? Star Clan. I mean, uh, he also definitely has that like Chris Traeger having a mental breakdown energy. Yeah. It's like, I have uh, an appointment with my therapist. Uh, I'm up to five times a week, but we're thinking about doing two a day now. I'm sorry, am I off my game today? Because I just feel like I have goddamn nothing to contribute except to like pop culture Yeah, there, to be fair, this there's book is not so boring. a lot. It is pretty boring. So I, you know what? Let's just jump into the, the deep end of this. Do because it. a lot of the, the surface level stuff is iffy, but like whatever, it's, it's fine. It's not worth talking about. What is worth talking about is how Freud would love this book because uh there's some weird like maternal stuff and jose as our token man on this podcast (laughs) uh can you offer some insight into the concept that men deep down some would argue really just want a partner who will act like a mother to them if they are heterosexual at least i think there is a type of guy for whom that is absolutely true I have met said guys, and it always struck me as something profoundly sad. It's like this inability to grow up paired with this need for someone to care for them. There is a reason I no longer date men. It's one of those things <laughs> is, where it's is like, this it? it's just that it, uh, having to be like virgin mother whore all yeah. the time, constantly, and like otherwise they'll throw like a massive fit i don't know i just can't i could interrogate whether or not i am a lesbian or a bisexual but the fact of the matter is i just don't want to date men because of the way they literally act in this book where it's like oh my god sandstorm you remind me so much of spotted leaf she was like my yeah, mom so those traits of men that act this way do you feel like they apply to our wonderful protagonist here because in this book fireheart does a lot of odd comparisons it, it, the writers bring up a lot of odd details regarding sandstorm his love interest and motherhood and either it is because of some kind of creepy you know oh she would be a, a wonderful mother to my children Ugh. type thing or a potentially equally as creepy you know oh she would be a wonderful partner because she's so maternal to him so what's the deal with that <laughs> bringing back my jerry seinfeld here what's the deal with so it's, it's, so based on the way Fireheart's already been described within this podcast as being something of a college sophomore i think that tracks on to his behavior and attitude towards sandstorm in general like he's got a very immature almost absent-minded connection to her and then like this is the book where he finally starts he figures it out and he literally needs someone to like set him down and be like, yo, Sandstorm is into you. I wasn't sure if like, is this a cat thing? Like they just meet someone instantly and they want to make new cats? Because uh, that's very weird and kind of creepy. Although if I sort of took that perspective of the cats, uh, I did notice that uh, if you compare Fireheart to his best friend, Graystripe, like by the time Fireheart realized Sandstorm's into him, Graystripe had already met Silverstream, knocked her up, had a few kids. And then Silverstream and died. is now mourning her death. Oh my yeah, gosh, he- some respect <laughs> for the dead, please. I apologize to the memory of Silverstream for that uh, <laughs> flippant summary of their whirlwind love affair. I was the Graystripe of my friend group, and that's becoming like shockingly apparent. By the age of redacted, I'm thinking about like marriage. I'm in my 20s, and then I have other friends who have literally like never dated 
because they just have no interest or they just haven't like met the right person or it's just like you live in a place where there aren't people that you're interested in you know what I mean Lola I married my high school sweetheart so that's I I completely understand so you're a gray stripe (laughs) I mean we did like we we you know dated all through college and stuff we didn't get married right after high school but well yeah but still in the grand scheme of things there are people who jump right into it and people who are like huh this gal really likes me after four books. See, I, I feel a very strong affinity of, of Fireheart when you describe it like that. Oh, I'm sorry. I wasn't actually... I hope it didn't sound derogatory. Oh, no. I, I mean, I'm not like Fireheart in the sense that I'm not looking for a mother. I always found that to be a bit creepy. <laughs> but I have been oblivious in the past. And uh, yeah, it's just how it works sometimes. I really like Sandstorm as a character, but I feel like this book's depiction of her is this like soft maternal creature, like all women are secretly soft and maternal. And I just don't, I don't buy it. I don't buy that she's like that. It feels like a projection. I think that her characterization in this book, like while we do get a lot more of her, I feel like there are places where it definitely is kind of iffy. I mean, Lola, like you were saying, there's the odd part where one of the queens in the clan has kits and they go visit them for the first time. Fireheart says that he sees this, you know, new sparkle in her eyes that she, you know, like seeing babies makes her realize that deep down she has this soft maternal part, which is like, for some women, that is true. For some, it is not. That's just how humans work. Or that's just how people work. I don't mean to be, you know, human centric in this (laughs) cat book discussion. All right, every pony, let's get back on track. (laughs) In past books, she has been characterized as sort of, I don't know, hot-headed, I guess, or very, you know, fiery and no pun intended. You know, she, she stands up for herself and she doesn't back down when, you know, she thinks that something is wrong. Um, she's very passionate but in this book it almost feels like she's written to be kind of there there's a word and I can't there is a way to give like female characters a soft side without being like she's a mom deep down yeah I'm so sorry to make this comparison oh no but I keep thinking about Evangelion I feel like Sandstorm is Asuka and uh oh no and Spotted Leaf is Rey (laughs) Oof. Right? And it but then if you compare if you compare Sandstorm and Asuka, they managed to make Asuka like a soft, sensitive person deep down without making her mommy. Yeah. Don't get me wrong, it's a franchise that definitely has mommy issues, but I personally feel like the character of Asuka isn't done that dirty in the way that Sandstorm is done dirty in this book. Yeah. And she also often has the moments where she's like unreasonably petty or like super quick to get upset with Fireheart. Like there's one point. Is it all right to call her Caddy? No. What's their ship? (laughs) What's their ship name? Firestorm? That sucks. (laughs) That's awful. Oh, so there's one point in chapter 12 where Fireheart is upset because this is the point where Cloudpaw has been taken away and, you know, Fireheart is blaming himself and Sandstorm is trying to comfort him by telling him, you know, like, oh, he's probably happier there. Like, Fireheart is upset. He's like, no, it's easy for you, he argued. You share clan blood with the rest of them. Cloudpaw was my only kin. Now there's no one in the clan that is close to me. 
Sandstorm flinched as if he had struck her. How can you say that? You have me, she spat. I've done nothing but try to help you. Doesn't that mean anything? I thought that our friendship was important to you, but clearly I was wrong. She spun around, flicking Fireheart's legs with her tail before racing away into the trees. You know what? She's valid for that, though. But it feels like she gets unreasonably upset he says one thing she like goes on this whole tangent of like i don't think you're right why would you say that you must hate me i'm fucking leaving i'm sorry i have to disagree with you i felt like that was actually like the strongest part i'm sorry i'm so sorry but i was like oh finally a scene where she's like hey jerk i care i had to suppress some much stronger words i care (laughs) about you i care about you and you treat me like garbage Um, instead of being like, oh, you have no kin? We could have babies. (sighs) I mean, I don't think you're wrong. I'm just trying to decide which reading I think is stronger. Jose, help. (laughs) What I was really hoping to see is Sandstorm reflect on how she was really putting herself out there for Fireheart and just not getting any of it back and move on. Like, really, at this point, this felt like It was the perfect opportunity for her to make a break because whatever she sees in him, he's not ready to return. I was hoping, I was, I was reading that thinking like, where is this going to go? And then when I saw where it went, it was just like, oh, it was once again, another action to catalyze action in Fireheart. And it was more about him. Allies. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, like either way, I think either way you read it, you know, it's, this book doesn't have incredibly strong characterization for Sandstorm. Because I feel like by this point, like four books in, we should have a better idea of whether this is in character for her or whether it is out of character. You know, so I think even like the very fact that we can't decide is itself, you know, a meaningful issue. For someone who's supposed to be the, you know, love interest of the main character, she's a bit shallow right now. When you look at the cover with I don't so here's the thing right is Cloudpaw and Fireheart were originally on the cover for like the original British release I think and then they replaced Cloudpaw with Sandstorm for the American release to be like this is the love story one and it just didn't really feel like the love story one I don't know so my headcanon as a child was that Sandstorm was sand colored uh, and I, I recognize uh, reading through this, like that they keep referring to her as ginger and a, a light ginger. You know, she's not quite as fiery as Fireheart is, but it feels kind of iffy that like the romantic couple here happen to be the same variety of cat, which is fine. It's just that orange cats are not the most common cats. Uh, and also her name would make more sense if she were sand colored. So I am choosing to believe that she does not look the way that she is on the cover. See, I see her as being like sand of Nevada. Ah. Like yeah, red like a, sand. Like a Utah. Yeah. Yep. That Southwestern vibe. She is the Mojave. Yeah, she is. <laughs> I'm just comparing the covers here because I don't know, I guess it was different in Canada, but we got the British cover apparently with Cloudpaw and that's the one I got from the Ooh. library. Oh, nope. I have the one with um, Sandstorm on it. Yeah, that is a very different cover. And it gives you a different vibe of the book. It goes from like mentorship story to love story, which arguably felt 
more prominent. Like the whole Cloud Paw story felt just whatever. It was just there to fill pages, really. So I thought that the whole thing with Cloud Paw is that he was going to be neutered. And then mm-hmm. like... That's what I thought too. Prove that he wanted to be a member of the clan anyway. And then it was going to be like, oh, wow, have we been wrong about kitty pets this whole time? But nope, it did not go there. So what, he just like got vaccinated is that like because yeah i mean you would think when you deal with feral cats and and wild cats what you should do is if it is safe to do so you should take them to the vet and have them both neutered and vaccinated and that's interesting to me that they only did the one i suppose but if if they even did that i mean we don't have the details on that well princess wasn't fixed that's true princess wasn't fixed yeah but maybe they were maybe it was like a weird i don't know and i know that in the uk it is less common to spay and neuter animals just generally then why did they establish it as the norm in the first book and then continue to do so in the second book i'm just saying they've hung the threat of the cutter over us for like four books. It's almost like maybe <laughs> there's some continuity issues. <laughs> so speaking of going to the the vet, the cutter, as they say, there's a lot of illness in this book. That was one of the like main kind of themes that I saw reading this was not only is there the kind of mental illness that Blue Star is dealing with, um, with her mental health and her, you know, PTSD from the whole Tiger Claw situation, but there is also the threat of physical illness with this like mystery sickness that has taken out Shadow Clan, as we see in the prologue, and then later with the cats that come to Thunder Clan and are helped by Cinderpelt, and then later, you know, the leader that had died from this sickness uh, is replaced by Tiger Star. And then not only do we have that element, but there's also the idea of the fire. And maybe this is me taking it too far, but we have the idea that the fire is almost like purging the sickness or, or they're being cleansed by fire. We also have the idea of like cauterization with fire. I don't know. I also latched onto the, the wildfire as part of this theme of illness, but maybe that's just... No, I agree with that. The, the lit nerd talking here. <laughs> you had also mentioned like the weird cloud paw body shaming yeah like he i think jose mentioned this in his um summary that you know he starts out like plump and they keep talking about how plump he is and how he's eating way too much and how they're like you know oh the animals will be able to hear you from super far away because you're just trampling through the undergrowth because you're so heavy oh and it's just british children's books and their fat shaming yeah Yeah, it's weird and gross and I don't like it. And so there's that level of, I don't know that I would call it illness, but, you know, there is that like physical, there is an issue with his body. The cats are ableist. That's what we're skirting around here. They're upset that Blue Star's (laughs) got PTSD. They're Mm -hmm. upset that Cloudpaw, a child, has gained a few extra pounds. Probably ounces because he's a kitten. Yes, yes. And there's a mystery sickness taking out Shadow Clan, and the cats are like, well, that's what you get for being Shadow Clan. That was probably also one of the moments as a kid reading this where I was like, now I identify with Shadow Clan is when they're like, has Star Clan abandoned us? And everyone's like, haha, sucks to be you. That's not right. Also, going back to Cloud Paw and people saying he's heavy, I think it was established in earlier books that these uh, wild cats are all 
kind of malnourished. Like when Princess sees Fireheart, she's like, you're so thin and you seem underfed. And that was like Fireheart's impression of the the Wildcats when he first met them as well. So I, I feel like there's a, a weird body type in that space that is deemed common. So something else that I thought was kind of weird and potentially problematic in this book, we meet for the first time the child of Tigerclaw because Tigerclaw had kids. How has he been getting so busy? <sighs> He's got five kits and he's evil. That's a lot of multitasking. <laughs> Listen, you know what they say? Females just love the bad boys. Is he really? thing is, like, he is a bad boy, but he has this reputation of being, like, in the other clans at least, of being this, like, powerful, strong, dependable leader. Like, he's an he's upstanding He's an alpha cat. male. Oh, yeah. He's the liver king. <laughs> he is the liver king. <laughs> and so his child, one of his children that he has, is named Bramble Kit. And throughout the entire book, Fireheart really, really struggles with whenever he sees Bramble Kit. He can't help but see Tigerclaw. He has this, like, internal monologue where he's like, you know, I, I know that is irrational. You know, I know that this kitten is not Tigerclaw. And I know that I need to deal with that and I need to accept this child as, you know, his own person. But I don't know that that gets resolved by the end. Um, he struggles with it throughout the entire book. And there's an extended section where he refers to this cat as it, not just once, but like a dozen times across an entire page. And I don't know, it. what are we supposed to think about Fireheart? Like, how is this characterizing him? Because it is not, for me at least, instilling confidence in his ability to be a deputy and, you know, future leader, because that's what deputies are. It's one of those places where it seems like Fireheart's, he is a flawed protagonist, but this flaw feels like, you know, directly harmful to the people that he is trying to protect. Well, and I guess that there is a moment of growth um, near the end. I am just now remembering uh, when the fire breaks out and they have to escape. And the reason why Yellowfang is left behind is because Fireheart could not get to her and help, you know, drag her out of the woods because he chose instead to go save Bramblekit, who, you know, it, it was really like the classic trolley problem. On one side of the tracks, there was Yellowfang and another elder. And on the other side of the tracks, there was Bramblekit and he chose Bramblekit over the others. So is this kit to blame for Yellowfang's death? Is Fireheart to blame for Yellowfang's death? Woo! I think Fireheart was doing what Yellowfang would have wanted him to do, to be honest. Like if he had saved Yellowfang, <laughs> she wouldn't have been cool with that. She would have been she like, would have been pissed. what are you doing? Like that was a kit. You let it die. Yeah. So this book has, as I'm sure that you have noticed, dear listeners, it has some pacing issues. It has some writing issues. It is not the best of the books. Who would like to tear this book apart with some of your least favorite things? The lack of resolution really bothers me when it's like there are some books in the series that are whole books in and of themselves and some books in the series that are like, stay tuned for next time. Not a fan. I'm also not a fan of how repetitive it was. Like we got that nice little reunion with Graystripe and I was like, oh, they're reunited. That seemed a little quick, but okay. It's nice to see these two cats together again. And then they just get reunited again when Graystripe rescues Fireheart. And I'm just like, they already had a reunion though. Wouldn't it have made more sense to just have one in the book? 
And then like Ravenpaw shows up again. And that was another, it's like another reunion. Remember the books you just read before? Weren't they good? <laughs> yeah. Hey, remember when this character was around? We miss him, huh? Yeah. There's also, so there's a whole chapter. The chapter transition from seven to eight sucks. First of all, read it, please. At the end of chapter seven, this is when they are at the uh, meeting of the clans and Blue Star is about to announce, or she has just announced that Fireheart is their new deputy. This is the final paragraph of the chapter. Dozens of heads turned to look at Fireheart and he felt hot under their questioning stares. The silence seemed to pound in his ears. He kneaded the ground and soundlessly urged the leaders to carry on with the gathering, aware only of the sound of breathing and the rows upon rows of unblinking eyes. And that's where it ends. And then you you start chapter eight and you're like, okay, there's going to be some drama happening here at the gathering. Right. And so you begin chapter eight and it reads, Muse of alarm and the pounding of paws in the clearing roused Fireheart from sleep. He blinked against the glaring sunshine that streamed between the branches above the warrior's den. It just skips to the next day. Like, I I don't even think it's the next day. I think it's actually a couple days later. But still, like, it just, it, it, it's like cutting to a commercial break with some, like, gasp moment in a TV show. And then when you come back from the commercial break, it's just, you're in a totally, you know, you're a, you're a week later now. Like, what is that? What is that writing? It's not great is what it is. <sighs> and then there's some individual uh, lines that I think are especially weak. I'm going to save the better one for last because I think it's very funny. So Spotted Leaf, yes, she shows up in this book. She shows up mm -hmm. in his dreams, as she always does. And on page 151, during one of these dreams, she is really just channeling her inner spooky Disney movie vibes? Fireheart, the voice murmured again. Beware an enemy who seems to sleep. What do you mean? asked Fireheart, his chest tightening. What enemy? Beware! It's very silly and I don't like it. Uh, and then earlier in the book, <laughs> on page 22, the writers have decided right here at the beginning of the book to set the tone for... You know, when you are first describing characters in a book, you need to use that opportunity to do some characterization. You know, how, how you describe these characters is going to really affect how readers imagine them. So this is how Blue Star is described. It was cool in the small cave hollowed out of the base of the high rock by an ancient stream. The sunlight that filtered through the lichen made the walls glow warmly. Blue Star sat hunched in her nest like a brooding duck. <laughs> she sat hunched in her nest like a brooding duck. This is your leader, ladies and gentlemen. This is a very serious cat who is going through some very serious trauma. She's a duck. That's like something you'd read in a P.G. Wodehouse novel or something, like silly animal comparison. Yeah. And it also feels weirdly pastoral. Ugh. <sighs> All right. Is there anything else? There's some creepy stuff. Uh, like, I'm pretty sure that Dustpelt has a crush on a literal child in in this story, and that's kind of creepy, and I don't like it. What is the purpose of Dustpelt? To be a foil. I don't know. It It's just like, I feel 
really bad for him, actually, because he never joins the friend group that everyone else his age is in. Yes. I thought Dustpelt was into Sandstorm. He was. And then when he couldn't get her, he was like, oh, a child. As uh, unfortunately many do. Well, maybe Dustpelt is low-key the greatest monster of ThunderClan. Do we want to pour one out? Is it time? Is it already time to pour one out? See, I am afraid to pour one out here because in previous books, there have been a a couple of cats that have died. In this book, dear listeners, there are seven dead cats. I need a whole case of milk to be pouring out for this one. I'm just going to take like an entire handle of whiskey, dump it out, and funnel milk into it, and then smash it on the ground in remembrance of Running Wind, White Throat, Patch Pelt, Half Tail, Night Star, Cinder Fur, and closest to my heart, Yellow Fang. I mean, we're pouring it out for all of them, but I just like to say we should save an extra amount we're pouring out just for Yellow Fang because she deserves all the extra milk. She deserved not to die in this book. Boy, oh boy, I did not like that. I did cry uh, during her final monologue, if that helps. I mean, who didn't? It's the best part of the book also. I also cried when Leopard Fur... Uh, I think it's Leopard Fur. It's Leopard something. Uh, Leopard Fur of River Clan, the deputy, helped carry one of the dead bodies across the river so it could be buried. I thought that that was really moving. I loved that also. Yeah. It's just, it's very, it's nice. So it's the thing about these books. There's always some redeeming quality that makes you go, oh, darn it. I, even though this was not my favorite, I have to check the next one out. Yeah. Um, shall I read Yellowfang's obituary? Maybe we should build to Yellowfang. Yeah, okay. Do we care about anybody else in Night this list? Nightstar is in the is in the book. Yeah, but ugh. let's check him out. As a warrior, Nightstar, then known as Nightpelt, was dedicated, thoughtful, and well respected. Cedarstar appointed him as mentor to Brokenpaw. Ooh. Hoping that Nightpelt's gentle approach would soften some of the angry young cat's impulses. Brokenpaw had no patience with the warrior that he saw as weak and cowardly and sought training from Ragged Pelt instead. Nightpelt retired to the Elder's Den soon after Broken Tail became a warrior and prepared to live out his days peacefully, but Broken Star's bloodthirsty rule and the death of Kits too young to be forced into battle stirred Nightpelt to action. Wow, I actually really like him. When Broken Star was captured, again, I'm like, great things should have been mentioned in the book, but maybe in the prequel series? I forgot about, because I think that some of this was hinted at, but I like totally forgot about it. So yeah, Nightstar, we we are a fan. All I right, really continue. like him. Yeah, he's a cutie patootie. When Broken Star was captured by ThunderClan, Nightpelt put himself forward as ShadowClan's new leader. He went to the Moonstone with the Medicine Cat Running Nose, where both cats were dismayed to learn that StarClan regarded Broken Star as the ShadowClan leader still, and thus would not give Nightstar nine lives. It was perhaps Nightstar's greatest moment of courage that he was prepared to lie to his clanmates and tell them that StarClan approved of his leadership in order to save them from any further influence of the dark-hearted cat. Nightstar tried to steer his clan into a time of peace and recovery, but age and ill health caught up with him, and he died after just a few seasons. A bout of green cough stole his single life, leaving Shadow Clan lost and leaderless, and ready for Tiger Star. I like him! Oh no! See, like, again, it's like, this is what I want Shadow Clan to be. 
I have so much pity for these, like, sweet, gentle cats who get stuck under, like, literal dictatorship. And I don't know that we knew that Star Clan officially didn't, like, recognize him as leader. I don't remember that in the book at all. You could hypothetically figure it out if you were like, wow, he died really quick. He probably didn't get nine lives then. Yeah, I think that that was, like, mentioned... I don't remember if it was explicit, but it was like, oh, he's dead, even though he just became leader. That's kind of weird. This is maybe discourse for a future episode. But if Star Clan refuses to recognize Nightstar as the new leader, just because Broken Star, then even referred to as Broken Tail, was technically still alive, like, isn't that isn't that kind of uh, an issue? Either they make bad decisions and should not be listened to, or they care so much about the bureaucracy and the ritual and and ceremony of like, oh, well, technically you haven't, technically the old leader is still alive. So sorry, we can't grant you your lives. In which case they are also bad and shouldn't be listened to. StarClan is presented as this like meritocracy, but if that's the case, why deny Nightstar nine lives and instead give them to Tigerstar? What is the why? Because technically Nightstar was dead. So at least he followed the right rules to become leader. He's got a very gentle face in this portrait. Aww. I will send it to you guys uh, over Discord and you'll be like, oh no, I miss him now. He reminds me of my cat now. That's it. That I'm like, I don't want you to die. <laughs> I think that's the only other one who's in the book except Yellowfang. I was a little frustrated by the names in this book because you got Cinder Pelt, Cinder Fur, Running Wind, mm -hmm. and Running Nose. And I was like, pick some new prefixes, please. Oh, he does look sweet. I want to give him some pets. He tried. He tried so hard. <sighs> and got so far. But in the end, it didn't, didn't even matter. matter. That's our second, like, emo kid song reference this episode. <laughs> All right, shall I read the Yellowfang obit? Yes. Yellowfang was the exiled ShadowClan medicine cat discovered on an early solo patrol by Firepaw, who would one day become Fireheart. His act of kindness in giving her a piece of fresh kill was punished by Bluestar because he had broken the warrior code of feeding elders and kits from his own clan first. As a result, Firepaw was ordered to feed and care for Yellowfang and her first moons in the clan, where she was viewed with suspicion because of ThunderClan's long rivalry with bloodthirsty ShadowClan. In spite of Yellowfang's simmering anger at being treated like a prisoner, she formed a strong bond with the young kitty pet turned warrior, a connection that lasted beyond her death. Yellowfang was Ooh. cranky, stubborn, impatient, and the most loyal cat you could ever meet. See that? I like, it, it's true. No her whole life was a quest for loyalty. To Shadow Clan, to her role as their medicine cat, to the son that she bore in secret, and then to Thunder Clan after her exile. Yellowfang's biggest mistake was her love for Ragged Star, leader of Shadow Clan, despite knowing that medicine cats are forbidden from having mates or kits. When Yellowfang's bitter, neglected son, Brokenstar, became ShadowClan's leader and made the forest run red with the blood of kits too young to fight. I love how melodramatic the text is here. <laughs> Yellowfang's loyalty to what she knew to be right led to Brokenstar exiling her and forcing her across the border to ThunderClan. 
She blamed herself wholly for Broken Star's brutality, and when he was finally defeated during a raid on the ThunderClan camp, she persuaded Blue Star to let him stay there, blind and captive. Just a few moons later, Yellowfang discovered that Broken Star had plotted with Tigerclaw and some rogues against the clan that had given him food and shelter. Racked with guilt, Yellowfang fed deathberries to her own son. It was the only solution she could find for a problem she believed she had caused. Her loyalty to ThunderClan was proven beyond all doubt when she died saving her adopted clanmates from a fire that swept through their camp. Fireheart grieved as if he had lost his own mother. Rip. Lots of mommies. Lots of, lots of mothers. Yep. <sighs> it's like, dude, how many moms do you have? And I'm immediately thinking of like, <laughs> I'm thinking of Spotted Leaf. And his romantic interest in her. And then Sandstorm. There's so much motherhood it's here. Gross. How many mothers does a cat need in order to become clan leader? That's the real question of warriors the prophecies begin. Too many. Too many is the answer. I think this book killed us. Yeah. This this book was rough. Yeah. Like, we are not having an excellent time recounting these memories. And we're not even, it's not even bad enough to feel passionate about how bad it is. It's just so, maybe it's now a good time to rank it. Yeah. Screw it. <laughs> Jose, Rising Storm. Thoughts? If you, if you had to rank this on a scale from one to ten... <sighs> You know, I'd probably put this at a four. Uh, I'm tempted to say three, but I'm, I don't know. I'm going to be four and not quite so negative, <laughs> but it definitely my least favorite of the book so far. Four is what I was thinking as well. It's a four out of 10. See, I potentially made a mistake earlier in the rankings when I gave Fire and Ice a four. So you have to give this like a three. Yeah, I don't even feel bad about it though. I genuinely feel like a three is. Like this book was demonstrably worse than Fire and Ice. And uh, yeah, three out of 10 from me. So that is, what is 11 divided by three? 3.6. 3.6, thank you. So we are ranking all of the books and putting them in like best worst order, right? Yes. I have a chart that is that is in progress, um, and I will show it when we are done with this series. Patrons, if you want to see our full ranking chart, it is available on our Patreon. You can keep track of the scores that we give the books and see if they actually get better over time or not. And you can maybe they will, maybe they won't. Bitter disappointments. <laughs> Going from a, what was, what did we rank Forest of Secrets? Nine. Yeah, going from a nine to a 3.6. It's pretty rough. It was not my favorite. Um, I remember lots of very iconic things happen in the next book, though. So hopefully next episode we will be more excited, have more to talk about. Kits dying, you know, that sort of thing. Well, the one nice thing I can say about Rising Storm is it definitely ended on a strong note. It was very much, a, I, I really want to know what happens with Tiger Claw taking charge of shadow clan and like is fireheart gonna need to kill this guy nine times now just to get us out of this nightmare scenario but yeah nine that's true deaths so other than uh seeing that legendary fight go down as we no doubt will what else would you like to see or what other sort of expectations do you have for not only the next book but now that we're getting close enough sort of how do you think that this series is gonna wrap itself up jose well i i hate to say it but I'm pretty sure Blue Star's days are numbered. If she gets out of the next book, I would be a little surprised. 
but I don't think she's going to be seeing the end of this series, sadly, as much as I just want her to retire and live as an elder in peace. I don't think clan leaders are allowed to retire. No, it's a the job is a death sentence. <laughs> That's really harsh. It's like being a Supreme Court justice. Ooh. They can step down. Can they? Doubtful. They usually don't, but they can. <laughs> I wish they would. It's like being a pope. <laughs> a pope step down too, like the last one, right? Yeah, no. What, what's another lifelong appointment position? Well, I remember being a kid in the 90s watching wrestling and the nwo was the nwo for life so that's uh that's a for life <laughs> commitment i believe is the next book the one where her kayfabe fails i don't know wrestling it well enough to make that <laughs> joke <laughs> anything else jose any expectations i expect fireheart and sandstorm to get closer eventually i don't know if they're they're probably not gonna hook up or anything to the point where kits are anything other than just teased in the final book i'm guessing but there's actually a really explicit graphic sexual uh, sex scene in in the next book really but kids no. are finally no. learning about it no. <laughs> i was like i don't remember that i feel like that would have left an impression on me because i certainly have never gotten over being completely horrified and disgusted by things i read in specifically normal sex scenes in Stephen King's books because the mm. way that he writes sex scenes is so it's scarier than the horror itself really to me damn take that Stephen King he knows what he did Steve. uh it's hard to say what will happen over the course of two books I feel like there's going to be something that will complicate matters in the fifth book but uh, it really seems to be a showdown between fire heart soon to be star I think and tiger star what do you think is the destiny of our lovely bff graystripe i'm not really sure i he's kind of an outsider in river clan right now i hope they'll accept him but uh it remains to be seen i'm really not sure where, what they're gonna do with graystripe all right well i think that that is it thank you all so much for listening to this episode it was a rough one but from experience i can tell you the series does get better i'm doing a great job of selling of selling this <laughs> Hey, you don't have to sell the series. You just have to sell the podcast. <laughs> yeah, thank you for sticking with us. It definitely was uh, rough, but that means it can only go up from here. So be sure to join us next time when we tackle the fifth book in the series. And don't forget, please help to control the pet population and have your pets spayed and neutered. And until next time, we have been the only Warrior Cats podcast. And remember, fire alone can save our clan. Warrior Cats podcast is hosted by Zoe B, Lola Sebastian, and Jose, and is edited by Lola Sebastian. Our intro music was written and performed by Neil Farrell of The Leftist Cooks, and our podcast art was drawn by Odd McName. The Only Warrior Cats podcast is produced by Nebula. If you'd like to support the show, you can come join the clan over at patreon.com slash theonlywarriorcatspodcast, where memberships start at just $1 a month. You can get lots of cool perks like end-of-episode shoutouts, having your cat's meows be forever enshrined as a podcast sound effect, and getting access to our exclusive bonus episodes where we cover all the Warriors content outside the main series. As always, thanks for listening, and we'll see you again soon.